Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and, well, we're back on the winner's list. We have a comfortable buffer from Wooden Spoon territory, and the final eight is just three games and percentage away. But the number of games remaining is not on our side. We have another big test coming up this week against the Lions on the road. And the result of that will definitely determine whether there's any life left in this season. Well, after the break, I'll be joined by my co-host Grape Viney and our very special guest tonight, demon cult hero Rodney Grinter. Rodney Grinter from about 35 metres chips it in. It's high. It's a goal. Two goals straight. Really enjoying the movement up on the forward line. Peter Road goes wide. Grinter behind this time. Oh, he got to the front. That's a top mark. One-hander in the end. What we're talking about. He has got skill. Look at this. One at the front posse. Eye on the footy. Both of them. Maud hanging on. Oh. <laughs> How did that stick? Oh, great effort, wasn't it? Well, Rod Grinter has kicked one already. And he's kicked two. Melbourne are four goals to nothing. Up they go. It's a loose ball. It's with Melbourne. Tingay shuffles it out. Stretch. Tingay. Tingay looking for a hand pass. He gives it out wide. Here's a chance for Rodney Grinter on the left foot. And he slams it right through the middle. And he's a happy man. A happy man indeed. Our guest tonight is a cult hero of the club and one of the most feared players of his generation he rose up through the ranks, winning a premiership with the thirds, a best and fairest with the seconds, where he would go on and captain later in his career. He played 134 games with the seniors and kicked 57 goals. He was made a life member of the club in 1994. Welcome to the Demonland podcast, Rodney Grinter. Good on you, Andy. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, Rod, first things first, where did the nickname Balls come from? I, I know you still use it today. Um, and can we call you Balls in this interview? All my best friends call me balls, so you're more than welcome to call me balls. Um, it's certainly one a uh, a name that um, any time it's mentioned, I know that uh, I know the person quite well. Uh, it was given to me by Paul O'Brien and Scotty Sutcliffe going back to 1982 uh, pre-season. I was down doing a pre-season as a young fella, and they were doing some work in the Melbourne Footy Club change rooms. Uh, they were both carpenters. So the footy club said, can you go over and give them a hand? I'll work in the MCG. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. No worries. So I got introduced to them, to them as uh, obviously Rodney Grinter from Katandra. And these guys were playing senior footy at the time. And we were training, there was training on that night. Um, and all the senior players started to come in. And during work, uh, I obviously called them Paul and Scotty. Um, and they'd forgotten my name. <laughs> and during during work, they um, they were calling each other knackers and, cock and balls you know come and do this and cock can you go and do that or whatever and anyway all the senior players started to turn up for training so there was um you know Robbie Flower and Shane Zantuck and Peter Moore and all, uh, Peter Giles all these legends of the footy club and and they just said um oh g'day Obi g'day Scotty how you going who's your mate and they just said ah oh, that's balls balls um and that's how that's how I got introduced to these guys from the first time and and it's stuck from there. Love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Balls, as you mentioned, you came up through the ranks of the thirds uh, and then the seconds. Did that apprenticeship uh, at the club help foster the love that you have for the Demons today? 
because we don't have that system anymore. Um, there's not really that sort of academy um, that we had in the old days, is there? No, Jase, you're quite right. It was certainly um, something that uh, there was a group of us from the zone. It was zoned back then, so we weren't uh, drafted. We were, we, there was an area that was zoned to the Melbourne Footy Club, and the Melbourne Footy Club could invite people from that zone uh, to train and then put them on the list. So there was a group of boys from the uh, Shepparton or the Golden Valley region that came down together and um, and played in a successful uh, team in the, in the under-19s in 1983. Uh, winning a flag and a lot of those guys um, stayed around, uh, not just from the Golden Valley, but from, from the under-19s team and progressed uh, through to the reserves and seniors and was the catalyst, I think, behind um, that early success uh, in the in the mid-80s of the, of the Melbourne Footy Club that we all uh, grew up together um, from the under-19s and and we're all a big family, and I think that that camaraderie and closeness uh, gelled us well together to play senior footy. And and with some, you know, Todd Vineys and the like coming across from from Adelaide, and Earl Spalding and Warren Dean from Perth uh, added to added to what was a really close knit group of um, group of boys. Who were some of those uh, players that you went through the system um, through through the under nineteens and the and the reserves uh, players who 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 alongside you finally tasted some some of that final success? Yeah, there was uh, there was Greg Healy, Graham Yates, um, Stephen Newport, um, Stephen O'Dwyer. Stephen O'Dwyer didn't play in the under nineteens grand final, but he was certainly there very early on, uh, right from the start. Um, Brett Bailey was was amongst that uh, group in the under 19s. Um, yeah, so it was a good, there was a good core group that um, Paul Payne from from the Golden Valley, uh, Paul McCarty. Um, yeah, there was a good uh, Shane Ward. Um, yeah, just trying to remember back then, but there was yeah, it was a good good tight group of uh, group of guys. Yep, some pretty good names among that. Uh, Balls yearned you keep as a defender for the most part, um, but we noticed while researching this interview that you actually booted five goals against Carlton in just your third game. Um, did you prefer playing forward or back? Because you spent quite a bit of time up forward, obviously, later in your career. Yeah, I started, um, started forward, and, um, you know, it's pretty tough uh, in the forward line. You know, if you're not kicking a couple of goals each week, um, yeah, you soon, certainly find yourself back in the... Back in the twos, which happened to me in my first couple of years, I was in and out of the team. Uh, played 11 games in my first year and um, 11 in the seconds. And then um, the second year, again, another, so in 86, another 11 in the in the seconds and 11 in the seniors. So um, I really found a niche when Greg Wells put me on a halfback flank in the, in the, in the reserves, um, really rebounding off that halfback flank and driving forward. Um, and then obviously got uh, promoted up to play in the on the halfback flank in the seniors and and did quite well and really for the next sort of four or five years I was a uh, yeah halfback flanker. Uh, you mentioned Straubs earlier. We spoke to him a few weeks ago and his tribunal record came up and we noted that he was eighth on the list of most suspended Ds. Uh, he knew that we were interviewing you in the coming <laughs> weeks and he made sure to remind us who was number one on the list. 
Um, <laughs> you fronted the tribunal 10 times for a staggering 31 matches suspended. Uh, did John Northey or anyone else ever tell you to pull your head in or, or was the club happy for, for you to play what these days would be called uh, unsociable football? Yeah, well, I was really rapt to hear your introduction to uh, the podcast uh, tonight to highlight some of the highlights that didn't um, have me being um, knocking someone over or getting <laughs> reported. Um, but look, yeah, it always obviously comes up. Yeah, um, getting getting uh, reported ten times and for thirty-one matches, it was I, I was found guilty seven times out of those ten, and every time I went up, um, I always seemed to get. Um, you know, not just one or two. It was always three, four or five. And there was one particular game for two reports that I got nine weeks, which, um, you know, certainly nothing to be proud of. But I think it was just one of those things that um, whenever I got into strife, there was, a, I think, a, a mandate at the AFL to uh, to try and get me out of the game um, because it was a bit – it was rough and tumble back then. It was the way that we played. and. Um, if blokes got in my way, well, I'd, I'd, I'd knocked them over and sometimes uh, it was a little bit too high um, and, yeah, copped a, copped a report. So, you know, at the end of the day, the, in relation to your question whether uh, the footy club supported me, no, they would certainly prefer me to be playing and rather than not playing, but it wasn't ever discussed in a manner that I needed. Greg Wells did say to me, uh, a couple of times in terms of the way that I approached um, a tackle. I had this round round arm habit of tackling blokes and he said, you need to sort of get that out of your game or you're going to hurt someone or really badly or you'll hurt yourself. And But in terms of trying to cut that out, I think that was just part of my game. You know, I couldn't play footy really any other way. Um, it was just the way that I was brought up. Uh, we... It won't dwell um, on the tribunal stuff, uh, Balls, but obviously the Terry Wallace incident um, tends to get probably yeah. brought up the most um, in connection to that. Uh, it was yeah. the first case referred to um, trial by video. Um, how do you reckon you'd go um, in today's game, given the way um, uh, given the way things have gone um, in terms of attacking attacking the man? Yeah, I think um, everything's graded now, so it's all kicking. Uh, Ticking boxes, so the Terry Wallace one was um, certainly high. Um, was it intentional? That would get argued. Uh, I, 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 to this day, say that it was never my intention to uh, co-tanger him, if you like, in the old term. And I referred to uh, Greg Wells talking to me about my coat, coat um, my round arm tackles and so forth. That I will end up hurting someone and also potentially hurting myself. And that happened that day. I um, uh, missed the ball um, by a whisker and uh, followed through with that round arm action and copped him high. Um, you know, I ended up getting 20-odd stitches in my hand um, due to his teeth going through uh, through the webbing uh, between my thumb and forefinger and ended up in hospital for a week due to um, that getting infected, oh, wow. which was unfortunate. Um, and yeah, unfortunately for for, for Terry, um, yeah, did some damage to his teeth. Um, you played with some of the greats of the club, Robbie Flower, Jim Steins, Gary Lyon, and my personal favourite, Alan Jakovic. Uh, who was the most talented of the bunch? Uh, Alan 
Djakovic, I would say, um, in terms of just exceptional skills and ability to be able to kick goals, whether it be left or right foot. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of um, football, uh, Robbie Flower was just amazing for the size of the man, the way that he played, not only for the Melbourne Footy Club, but i got vivid memories of him playing for Victoria and the way that he... Um, uh, did his thing on the on you know, out in the field was was amazing. Jimmy for his pure courage and stamina to be able to um, back up for 244 games in a row is pretty incredible. Um, there were times that we had to you know I was put to put on Jimmy to do a fitness test a couple of times during that period to see whether you know he was able to get out. And there was Danny Danny Hughes and I. I remember one one night at trading at um, the Junction Oval. John Northey said, we need you two to go over and test Jimmy out to make sure that he could, you know, he's right to play, that he's not just playing to try and keep this record going. And he pulled through with flying colours and uh, he was amazing. And obviously, Gaz, uh, Gary, well, he was uh, my second captain. Greg, oh, Robbie Flower was my first, then Greg Gilly, and then Gary. Um, but he, he is an outstanding um, centre-half forward, full forward, uh, and legend of our footy club. Uh, Balls, you mentioned uh, Jimmy Steins. You were on the mark that infamous day out at Waverley during the 87 preliminary final. What do you recall of that incident um, and the disappointment of that afternoon? Yeah, look, it's very, uh, very clear in my mind. It's been um, spoken about a lot. Um, Last year, it was replayed a lot when Melbourne made the finals for the first time in a long while and Hawthorne were in the finals. Um, So, uh, yeah, the game itself... I recall it. We were doing very well for three quarters. We kicked with a win in the first quarter. The wind changed, and we we're kicking with it in the second. The wind changed in the third. We were kicking with it, so everything was going our way. Um, and then the tide just seemed to turn in the start of that last quarter. And there was three or four goals that um, that we'd missed that we should never have missed. And if we had have got one of those, we would this um, situation with me and Gary wouldn't have even been spoken about, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I was playing forward that day um, and the runner came out and uh, Stephen Newport was doing a good job on um, on Gary Bacanara on the ball uh, and Bacanara went forward. So um, the runner came out and said that, you know, you, you're going back to play on Bucky for the last 20 minutes. Um, went down and picked him up and um, a couple of goals that, that we'd attempted didn't get there, and the last one, um, they had a, obviously a game plan of being late in the game, um, five five points down. They went straight down the middle. Uh, ball went over the back. Quick handball off, I think it was Tataki and uh, Bacanara led, and I tripped on his feet and um, fell into his back just as the ball was coming, but he ended up, he, he marked the footy, um, but I... Um, uh, yeah, fell into his back, so it was a free kick, and I was standing right on the 50-meter line. Um, the crowd was amazing; the noise was um, was unreal. Um, so when he'd taken the mark or the free kick was given, um, the siren was sounding, um, but nobody could hear it. The umpires couldn't hear it, and Robert Dipio Domenico was running free around the boundary side of the ground on his own into the 50 and Jimmy was coming from the middle of the ground. So he's, he just went directly to pick up Jimmy 
And if he had heard the siren, there would have been no need for him to worry about it. Um, but we didn't. And, yeah, he ran between me and um, Bucky and got the 15-metre penalty, which Bucky then just slotted it through. Do you reckon, and I, I've, I think I've uh, thought about this a lot, do you reckon he would have kicked it uh, from outside 50? Uh, um, well, I think that extra 15 metres to, would have been an extra pressure on him to kick it that little bit further. So whether his accuracy would have been the same from a from a 35 or 40 metre kick versus a 55 metre kick, um, we'll never know. Yeah. Um, and he, he, you know, he says I've spoken to him um, a couple of times at functions where uh, we've we've been asked that question and. And he says, well, we'll never know. And when he's talking to Melbourne people, he always says he would have. <laughs> just to make <laughs> um, us feel better. <laughs> kicked it either way. Um, but, yeah, you just don't know. Yeah. That extra pressure for that extra distance may have made a difference. Uh, Balls, you, you played in the 88 grand final, which uh, we ultimately lost uh, by a record margin at the time. Uh, did you rate us a chance going into that game or were the Hawks just too good that season? Oh, in retrospect, um Obviously, at the time, yes, we were we were up and about. We, you know, '87 was unfortunate. What happened? We won the '87 night premiership. Um, so we learned from you know what happened in '87 in the prelim, and we're all hungry. And um, to get through to the grand final was an amazing um, experience. It was 23, I think, at the time. And we, you know, we had a group. We had a, we didn't have a talent like. Um, that talented of a group, but we were a very tight group. Um, so there was not a lot of champs in our group. And then you looked at Hawthorne, and Hawthorne had champions on every line. And it was just unfortunate for the Melbourne Footy Club and for me and us that were playing that day that we came up against uh, you know an, an unbelievable Hawthorne team. Um, and yeah, we. You know, watching the game, I don't think, even though it was a record margin at the time, I've, I've watched it, um, I've watched the replay of the game, and we didn't play that badly, but, you know, to be beaten by 80-odd points or whatever it was, it was um, obviously a shellacking, but um, it was a it was a great experience and obviously very, very disappointing um, uh, to finish the way that we did. Uh Balls, after you hung up the boots at Melbourne, um, after a stint in Tassie, you eventually returned to Katandra West, where it all began for you, and you won a premiership there. That must have been very satisfying. Yeah, it was terrific to um, to get the call to, uh, to go back and um, play where I grew up, which is when I was a young kid growing up, all I wanted to do was play footy uh, with the Katandra first, and... Um, the senior players at the time were my heroes when I was growing up. The AFL, or sorry, the VFL back then, was just something that we watched on the telly on a on a Saturday night on the replay, and it was like miles and miles. It was it was that far away. It wasn't in reach for me. All I wanted to do was play with play senior footy with Katandra, and I actually did that before I uh, left Katandra to come down to Melbourne. I played. Um, two years with the Katandra seniors without winning a premiership, but to go back and play with these kids that um, were um, kids when I left. So David Teague, who's the current Carlton coach, played in that premiership team with me. He was 17. Um, yeah, right. And 
and uh, to, to go back and do that was um, yeah, it was very special. It was great. I uh, I saw on um, when I was uh, doing some research for this interview. Uh, are you cousins with uh, with David Teague? Yeah, that's right. My my mother's maiden name is Teague, um, so David's father and my mother are cousins. So um, yeah, we are related. All right, great. Um, uh, you were also um, the D's runner for a number of years, and uh, given your first-hand knowledge of the importance of uh, getting messages out to players, uh, what are your thoughts on the new rules limiting the amount of time that runners can be on the field? Yeah, I don't like it, and I think it's um, it's one of those things now. That I think that because they've uh, decided from a um, you know viewing the game and seeing people running around on the ground, it's not a good look having a runner out there, but. If um, you can set up all your plans and uh, you know, during the week and prior to the game saying you know, you're going to be rotating off here and you're going to be doing this and yada, 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 so that, that gets drilled into the players, I'm sure. But what doesn't get drilled into the players is that um, if our key forward gets injured and comes off and that rotation doesn't happen or our key back or an on-baller gets injured and doesn't come on, there's no message that can be run out um, straight away to say that, you know, you're playing here and you're playing there and you carry here. It's um, I you know I personally think that it should be brought back. Limit the limit the amount of times the runner can go out there, but don't make it just on when they score a goal because sometimes there might be eight goals scored in a game, and that's not enough time to get out yeah. to help um, coach your players. Uh, Balls, um, we've just got a couple last questions for you. We're extremely grateful for your time tonight. Uh, what do you make of the uh, current team and how we're, uh, how we're travelling in 2019? Oh, very disappointed, like every Melbourne supporter would be, in terms of coming into the year and having <laughs> you know, high expectations of us. Um, you know, the media wrote us up that we're going to be in the top four and you know, playing off in the grand final before a ball was even kicked. Um, so we all went into the season following on from last year's exciting finish, um, hoping that every game we go to, we're you know we're going to be in it and we're going to win and win most of them. And to have sitting at the halfway mark three and what are we three and nine? Four, four, four uh, nine. It, yeah, we won our fourth yeah. on the weekends. Yeah, four and nine. It's um, not what we expected and. You know, I'm obviously a keen follower of the Ds and I go as many times as I can and um, you know, I, I still think we've got um, we've got the players to be able to um, uh, to get there. Uh, it's just out of a lot of players, too many players out of form compared to last year at the end when we had everybody up and about fit, playing really well. Um, we've just got to get everybody back to being fit and in good form, and we've got a team there that can obviously take us deep into September, as was as was proven last year. Um, this year, you know, we've still, still got a chance, but we've got to win nearly every game, I think. Um, to do that, that's going to be very difficult, but you never know. Um, just like to go and see the players playing well, going back five, six years ago when you went to the footy and, you know, it just wasn't... You could see that... Um, their competitiveness wasn't up to the level of league footy and it was really disappointing. So you'd end up watching a quarter and then basically it became a social event and you'd go back in the bar and just have a have a chat with some past players or supporters. But now, I, you know, I go to the footy wanting to sit out and watch them 
turn it on for us. Well, you did experience uh, in 1987 having to win uh, win all the remaining games about midway through the year. So uh, it, ca- it can sure. be done. It's mathematically yes. possible, but uh, yeah, it's a tough, tough ask. Uh, Balls, uh, we see you uh, on social media, a lot of functions and activities put on by the Melbourne Football Club Past Players and Officials Association. Uh, you're chairman of that organisation. Can you tell us a little bit about your role and its importance to the club and the past players? Yeah, certainly. Thanks for the opportunity to hear. But, um, it's certainly something that um, yeah, the Melbourne Footy Club has been a big part of my life and um, a lot of the past players and players that I um, didn't necessarily play with, um, I still feel like that I know them. Um, they're friends of mine. And basically what we do as, a, um, as a, an association is uh, it's all about benevolence and togetherness. So... Benevolence, we want to be able to be there to help them out, help pass players out when they fall on hard times or if they um, require some support around injuries or anything like that, um, that we're able to financially help them out in that area. Uh, and then on the, um, uh, the togetherness side, um, we hold a couple of match day functions a year um, where we uh, extend an invite out to all of our, our members past players and officials that can bring along their friends, their family, their kids. Uh, we get a nice, safe room where we can have some uh, finger food and, and we get reserved seats. So we, we normally hold uh, three or four of those a year. We've got two more to go, round 20 against Richmond, around 22 against the Swans. Um, and the, the two that we've had uh, earlier this year was round one and round 10, and we, we've had over 100 people in the room at both times um, for those events. So they're a really good social um, uh, catch-up for family and friends of our past players and officials. And then we have our reunion, an annual reunion we hold on the Thursday before the grand final in the Jim Stein's room. Um, we get players come from interstate to attend that one um, because they come for the, for the grand final on the Saturday, so they come early. And it's great to see guys from Perth and Adelaide and Tassie um, uh, come and uh, come and catch up with their um, and even the country guys uh, coming down to catch up. So, so my role in all of that is just basically trying to get as much support and um, assistance around past players that um, that need it. And from a social point of view, is nothing better than catching up and talking about old times. Oh yeah, definitely. We love seeing it on social media. I, I saw you guys went up to the Northern Territory this year, uh, so it was great. I think they showed on TV a few of you guys in the stand. It was really great to see. Um, yep. uh, Balls, I, I want to thank you for your time tonight. I, I love that we can follow you and the players from uh, our childhoods and teenage years and seeing what you're up to these days on social media. I think it's fantastic that many of you still have a passion for the D's and, you know, you just mentioned your chairman of the uh, the past and players, past players association and I'd love to have access to that Rolodex to book guests on this podcast. Uh, just kidding. Yep. No, look, any, any time uh, we, we've obviously hooked up to... Uh, to get this happening tonight. Um, so let's keep in touch if there's anyone you need or you would like to uh, get in touch with, to have a chat with. Um, I'm sure they'll all be uh, more than willing and I'm happy to uh, happy to be the link between between that. And, uh, I, you know, I thank you for inviting me on. It's um, terrific. I, 
I love what you guys are doing for us. Oh, thank you very much. And I'm going to take you up on that one. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No anyway, problem. thank you very much uh, for You're your time. very generous with your time. Yeah, thank you for your time. And uh, yes, uh, that was uh, uh, Rodney Grinter. Thank you. Good on you, Andy. Good on you, Jace. Go Dees. No, go Dees. Go, go Dees, uh, indeed. Uh, that was uh, Rodney Grinter. And uh, once again, we'd just like to thank uh, Rod uh, Balls, uh, if you will, for his time. Um, great interview. What did you think, uh, Grape Viney? Oh, superb. Uh, as you say, very generous with his time. And it's been great to have uh, some of these cult heroes, um, as you said, from... Uh, uh, from the uh, great 80s era um, and, and early 90s uh, to have them on the program and to, to, to get a bit of insight into, uh, into what it was like back then. Yeah, I know. For us uh, being, uh, you know, we, our interests, uh, you know, we sort of were right there in the thick of it, uh, late 80s, uh, when we sort of made the finals and, you know, having thinking back, listening to him just talk about the, uh, the 87 prelim, um, you know, sort of, getting that first hand he remembers it in vivid detail doesn't he i know that yeah that's it's amazing like the the fact i mean i never i always thought about jimmy running across the mark but i never thought of why he ran across the mark or i'm not sure i ever heard why and to hear that he was running across the mark to man up uh, dipper um yeah uh, had you did you ever think about that had you known about no, that that that's no, what he look, was doing you know if we if we had the opportunity to speak to all, how many players were there that day? 20, we, we were allowed back then, I think. Um, that all have different perspectives and memories of that moment, depending on where they were on the ground. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, famous moments, and it's it's uh, great to relive it with, uh, 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 with the legends who, who, who made it. Yeah, and uh, as I said, I'm going to take him up on that offer and get, get into that Rolodex. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can speak to <laughs> some, some of the other players of that era uh, and and definitely sort of early, early 90s, mid-90s. There's lots of players I'd love to uh, chat with. Um, but he's, he's doing a great job um, in his role as chairman of the Past Players and Officials Association. As you mentioned during the interview, uh, we saw some of the players... Uh, um, up in Darwin for the game there. Uh, couldn't get the win that night, but they look like they're having a good time and uh, uh, there seems to be plenty of events um, and good attendance rates. So it's good to see that the community of past players is thriving um, because from that era, um, the players didn't have the same supports that um, you know players do today uh, in terms of the support around them. So uh, it's good that they've got that avenue. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, if you would like to join uh, us on the program tonight uh, at any time, you can give us a call, uh, 039016366. That's 03, and I'll just open up our Skype here, uh, 039016366, or Skype us on Demonland31. We love hearing uh, from other Demonlanders or listeners to uh, the, the podcast. So, uh, yeah, give us a call. Um uh, Great Viney, back on the winners list this week. Uh, it's certainly a different feeling uh, from a win. I've, you know, we've sort of forgotten what it feels like to to win a game. Um, great feeling. Where how how do you feel about the game? 
<laughs> I felt very good, as you say. It was a bit of a foreign feeling. Uh, was kind of getting used to losing, and I must admit that going into the game, um, I tipped against us, and yep, uh, so I, I'm in I'm in that frame of mind where uh, I hope for the best, of course, but expect the worst. So, um, look, the first half was nothing to write home about, um, but there were some promising signs uh, in the second that maybe we getting some of our quote-unquote connection back um, and uh, also a, a bit of a return to good form from a couple of key players too. So uh, definite positives to take out from uh, from the win, that's for sure. Uh, one of those players that uh, returned to a bit of form definitely late in the game was uh, Tom McDonald. Um, but I must say, as, as good as his stats were, and I'll, I'll reel them off in a moment, Early on in the game, he still looked a little bit injured. I, I thought he was struggling to run a little bit. Uh, we've been speculating all year that he's carrying a foot injury that's hampering his running and jumping a bit. Uh, but late in the game on the weekend, we saw glimpses of the 2018 T-Mac, and he certainly had his best game for 2018. He amassed, I think, 28 disposals, 14 were contested. He had seven marks, and previously this year, he was just averaging three and a half a game, which was like half of what he was uh, from last year, so he was back to 2018 levels. He's kicked three goals too, uh, which is what we want from a key forward uh, and six score involvements. You know, I hope this is a sign that the real T-Mac is back and it's not just a, a tease. Uh, look, that dribble goal um, that he kicked, it felt like that was the first time this season that something's gone right for us yes. and that the ball has finally bounced the right way, uh, not just for T-Mac but for the entire team. So... Um, hopefully, as you say, it's a bit of a turning point. Um, we don't know uh, whether he or anyone else um, is injured. Um, but, yeah, look, we, we can only hope that uh, um, it's the turning point and he starts to, starts to really kick on now for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's, uh, you know, he's, he's extremely important, particularly... Because uh, I don't think Wiedemann didn't really get into the game. I think he, he only had a couple of marks. He took one early on, um, but then he sort of struggled to get into the game. So you really need, you know, one of your two big forwards firing. And we were lucky because we had our small forward in, um, well, he's not a small forward, our third tall uh, in uh, Tim Smith. Um, you know, played a r really well as that third tall. Uh, I was happy with his output. He could have easily have had uh, four or five goals to his name. Um, and, and a guy like Tim Smith, I really hope he can get a good run at it in terms of injuries because he's been um, he's been one of those players like Vanders and the other Smith in Joel and and Corey Maynard who always seem to be on an injury list. Um, so it'll be good to hopefully Tim Smith can get a good run at it in terms of games because. You know, we really, I think, need uh, to have, you know, we need to have more than one sort of forward uh, firing and it was good to have T-Mac and him uh, contributing. Yeah, look, you can't question uh, Tim Smith's um, attitude or his competitiveness. Um, he certainly uh, uh, plays his role every time he goes out there. As you say, it's just a matter of getting the continuity uh, in terms of injuries um, and games and that. So... Uh, yeah, we can only hope. Yep. Um, uh, another, I loved Frosty's game. Um, I think he's taken his game to a, to a new level this year. He's showing more confidence in himself. 
Uh, look, he, he, I think he did fluff a couple of kicks early on. He still has those bit of brain fades, you know, that, that can cost us. Uh, but his ability to take an intercept mark and just dash off and, you know, have that confidence to provide some run off the back line, it was just ex- exceptional this this week. Um, I think this year he has cemented his spot in the best 22. Um, and his final term, I, I think he was, you know, the impetus to, for us to win the game. Yeah, it's interesting. On one of the footy shows last night, they have a regular segment uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they said they were going to rename it the Frosties because <laughs> each week there's an element of each of those in Sam's <laughs> game. And uh, as you say, a few fluff kicks here and there, uh, but some fantastic intercept work and reading of the play. And as you say, provides that dash off uh, off half back, which is so important. So, um, look, a, a lot of it's a, a confidence thing. Um, and clearly it's uh, sky high for Sam at the minute. Um, and look, you're never going to get a completely error-free game from all of your backmen. Um, you, you just can't expect that. So if he can uh, minimise uh, those faults and those flaws, um, then, uh, then yeah, his, his spot is, uh, uh, is looking strong going forward. Um... Petty's, Oscar notwithstanding. Well, Oscar Oscar might not get back into the team um, at the moment, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, watch this space. Uh, Petty's an. What in- did you make of? What did you make of Stephen May's game? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I was going to talk about May in a moment. Oh, all right, we'll talk oh, about yeah. him now. I th- I thought May played a great game. Uh, he's vindicated the decision that we went out to chase him quite hard. Uh, I mean, like Frost, he's had 18 disposals, which for a key back is impressive. But you've got to remember, one of their key forwards did go down uh, early in the game uh, in Jesse Hogan. Uh, but what I'm impressed most with is his kicking. I reckon he's one of the best kicks in the team. Uh, he always hits a target. And I, I love his leadership. Um, I watched him quite a bit on the weekend. And he's, he's constantly marshalling the defenders. He's getting them into the right places. I liken a bit to Jordan Lewis's role uh, that he used to do in the back line. And I guess with Louis probably not making it back in the team, or, or he might, uh, given he, the amount of possessions he got on the weekend in the twos. But you really need a senior head yeah. down there to take point, And May is that guy. You know, we, we aggressively went after both him and Lever. And I don't think we just did it for their footballing ability, which, of course, I mean, that's the main reason. But we did it because they're both leaders and generals of, of the back line. And... Um, I can see why we, we went out and got him. And, uh, yeah, I thought he he was good. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I've, uh, as you say, vindicated the uh, decision to chase him and uh, hopefully started to repay some of the debt that uh, uh, that he's accrued from being injured and misbehaving and having that drink that afternoon <laughs> or whatever he did. Um, <laughs> it fell foul of the football department. Yes, yes, the, the, the infamous drink. Uh, Petty's an interesting one. Um, sort of, uh, there were a lot of people thought he had, had a fantastic game. I thought he was disposal was subpar on the weekend. I thought he butchered the ball a number of times. I got quite frustrated. But having said that, I'd like to persist with him, uh, particularly while we might still have injuries to Lever and Hibbard and um, depending on when they come back in. But I think there's something there with him. Uh, He's able also to sort of back himself and take a mark in defence, and I think he'll be better for a few games under his belt, you know, going for the rest of this year. Uh, Because you need players like him that can come into the side if you have injuries to a Lever and a Hibbard 
uh, you need players that can come in and 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 fill that role. Um, so I think this, I think his disposal wasn't great on the weekend. Uh, would you agree? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, would you prefer Oscar McDonald or? I don't think so. I think um, I, I, Harrison Petty in the team right now. I think I like Petty over Oscar. Um, uh, last year, I was sort of warming to Oscar, but I don't think he, Oscar's done anything uh, this year. What do you make of his this mysterious um, mid-season, pre-season that he's doing? <laughs> well, it's not a pre-season, but he's doing a, a mid-season sort of fitness boot build-up strengthening type session. Uh, so do you want to do you want to expand on that for for any of our listeners who don't uh, don't read Demonland or, or any other forums? Uh, what what what's actually happening? Uh, I'll just have to call it up. I'm going off uh, off what I read in the paper last night. But um, uh, so so they're what they're doing uh, some extra training with him. Are they? Did I yeah, see something online on um, that that? that He's sort of been taken aside and and do we get go running through drills with? Yeah, Melbourne has put young defender Ross McDonald through a mid-year mini pre-season to try to unlock his struggling form by helping him build his light body to c- compete with the big power forwards. The Demons pulled McDonald out of all playing for three weeks and put him through an intensive three-week weights and agility program to build his body and confidence. The coaches, including senior coach Simon Goodwin, have joined him in doing extra weight sessions. So uh, it was structured apparently around the bye to limit the amount of game time that he's missing. Um, but that's unusual to say the least, isn't it? Yeah, I for think any club and for any player. I don't know to why doing a, to be doing a, a pre-season, mid-season. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't identify, you know, if they're, if they're thinking he lacks body strength. I don't know why this wasn't um, identified in the pre-season or in the real pre-season. So, yeah, to, yeah. if you have yeah. to do that, Look, then that's not good. No, we're not, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not part of the, the, um, the physio staff there and uh, uh, all, all the experts, but... Um, yeah, it's the first time I've heard of something like that. Mm. Although they say they did something similar with Wiedemann, apparently, earlier in the year when Sam missed a couple of games. So, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about our, our injuries later because... Uh, I must say I found it unusual when I read it. Yeah, it did sound very, very, very unusual. So watch this space. But but uh, look, if if Lever and Hibbert are coming back, I think he's going to struggle to get back in the team Particularly the way Frosty's playing, and and I think they're going to persist with, with Petty. If um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll watch this pace. Um, yep. I don't think he's the next cab off the rank. If once Lever uh, and uh, Hibbert come back, and if Petty does make way, then I think Petty's in front of him in the pecking order. So watch this space. Um, yep, absolutely. T- talking about uh, poor disposals, um, I-, I thought. Uh, what's with Bailey Fritch's disposals? We know he's a beautiful kick. He delivered a perfect pass onto the chest, I think it was, of Bull Smith on the lead. But some of his disposal out of defence has been horrendous. Um, I'd like to see him either move forward, uh, where he played most of his uh, resi's time, or onto a wing. 
Um, his disposal this year into forward 50 has been much better than his disposal out of defence. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And I think eventually he will be, you know, if you had your full back six in there, and that includes Jetta, as you say, in addition to the players Hibbert that you Lever, yes. uh, before, Hibbert and Lever, um, then, then, you know, Fritch is likely to be pushed out of there, and that's not a bad thing. Um, as to the disposal, look, I think it's a confidence thing, and I think it's, you know, it's it's infected most of the team for most of the year. Um, if we can get a little bit of momentum uh, in the back half of the season and get a few wins, then uh, um, perhaps the confidence and the skills will return with it. Um, and look, I'm not worried about Bailey long term. Um, it could well just be a case of the second year blues with him. Um, as we know, he's uh, uh, he's extremely capable. So um, yeah, uh, uh, disposal is definitely not as good as last year, no. but um, I don't think it's a long term issue. On the whole, I thought our defensive fifty performed really well. Hall once again solid. You know, he always backs himself to take that intercept mark. Uh, Salem is just class. I love it when he's the loose man, sort of when they switch the play, because you just know that the next kick, once he gets it further up the ground, he's going to be, uh, he's always going to find someone. Um, I still have a concern on a, you know, from the team as a whole of our lack of pace. I think Frio were able to transition and score way too easily, mostly from our turnovers. Um, I don't want to take away from the win. Um, uh, you know, because we had we had such a we had a great last quarter, but I'm just playing devil's advocate advocate here. Um, but, uh, do you think we might have won if the Dockers weren't two rotations down? Uh, well, yeah, good question. I mean, Jesse was off early, and that was uh, potentially an important factor. He's been building up to some good form. Um, Having said that, we've lost games uh, the same way where we've been rotations down and then had been run over by teams. So I'll, I'll take the win. I'm not taking anything away from us because we did have it a great last quarter. We turned things around and, you know, but yeah. I, I, I always wonder that. But you know what? We've been on the reverse. So I'm, I'm taking any win we get. <laughs> um, How are you feeling towards, towards Nathan Jones at three-quarter time? Look, I thought that was it was silly what he did. Uh, it was right in front of the umpire. Um, it co- it ended up it was a it was two goal turnaround. Uh, we were were given the free kick in front of goal. We would have kicked it. They've gone straight down the ground and and kicked a goal. So it, it really cost us. I didn't think he up until I don't think he had a great game. He's been a bit frustrating, Nathan Jones, this year and. Um, he, uh, I wasn't wrapped with uh, what he did, and I know that uh, he'd probably be hard on himself as well for doing it. But uh, yeah, it's not what you want to see from one of your leaders. Uh, It's one of those things. Remember, early on in the year, uh, we were critical of no one sticking up for Maxi, no one coming to his aid in round one when Port were sort of uh, bullying him, Um, and. You know, that's sort of what Jones was doing. He was, you know, sort of sticking up for one of his teammates. But you've got to be smarter than that. You know, there's a fine line when it comes up to sticking up for your teammates or doing something stupid that ends up costing the team and could have cost us the game. 
Yeah, I think we pointed out in that earlier instance in the year uh, against Max that it, that did come at an important time at the game and it would have been silly to give away, um, uh, to lose our call at that stage of the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, the coach didn't seem particularly happy about it. Um, uh, so... I guess he take your cues from uh, from Goody's reaction there. Was the fifty meter for some talkback? Uh, and was that from him I'm, as well, or we don't know? Uh, no, I'm not sure. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, maybe someone in the chat room knows. Um, um, yeah, if you do want to, Zeph has just asked that uh, that very question. <laughs> well, a few uh, people asked it in the in the in the threads on Demon Land this week, but uh, I, I don't think I got a satisfactory answer uh, to that uh, that question. Um, if you do want to join us on the show, zero three nine zero one six three triple six. That's zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or Skype us on Demon Land thirty one. Uh, we love hearing from listeners and other Demon Landers. Get your thoughts on the game. Um, I was absolutely wrapped with uh, uh, Lockhart. Um, been wrapped with him in his debut year. I think he's surpassed both Garlett and Spargo as a small forward, and not just because he hits the scoreboard, but because of his work rate up the field. Uh, look, he had 21 disposals, uh, 10 contested, uh, six marks, and I, I love his marking game. I think he plays a lot taller than he is. He's kicked two goals too, and you know to think he wasn't even on the list at the beginning of the year has been an absolute gold nugget of a find uh, for the club. So I'm... Yeah, he's just got this habit of something always happens when he's around. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely got good goal sense. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's managed to find the sticks in ways which his teammates, um, you know, have really struggled to do. So um, he's got good goal sense, as I say. And, um, yeah, uh, he could be – well, he just adds another spark to the forward line. Um, Hannon – uh, has not ignited yet that spark, um, but yeah, along with sort of uh, along with Christian Petraka provides that you know uh, that alternative avenue around goal. I think Hannon uh, probably does need to go back to the twos to find some form. I'm a big fan of Hannon. Uh, last year, I thought he cemented a spot in the team. Last year, he missed uh, he missed the entire preseason, most of the year with that knee injury. And I think we brought him back into the team through necessity rather than him finding touch and earning the spot. Um, in a perfect world, uh, he, you know, he he would have played yeah, in, the twos, in the twos, earned his way, yep. earned his way back into the team. Not not because he doesn't deserve it, but because he missed so much time over the preseason. We we've struggled with injuries, so as soon as players have come back, we've sort of put him back in the team. Um, so I think he's just he needs needs some touch, and you know, your best to find that in the twos. But having said that, we still have quite a large injury list, and small forwards are injured, uh, dropping like flies. With Garlett now out for the rest of the year, so he might not be able to go back to the twos, and might have to find that form. But hopefully. He's over the knee stuff and, you know, over the, the break this year, he can get a full preseason into him because I, I think he is an important part of the team. I think he is at his best, his best 22, but he's certainly not being able to find the ball uh, like he was last year. And um, I don't, I'll, I'd nibbler to that. I think nibbler's quite a bit disappointing uh, this year. He's just not finding enough of the ball. And he's in the, he's in the team to kick goals, so... You know, to find it, kick goals off the half forward line, and he's not doing it either. 
Yeah, it's interesting to note that uh, they're looking at extending Nibbler's contract by another two years, which wasn't greeted with a lot of enthusiasm, I've got to say, on the board. Mm. Yeah. Uh, quietly sort uh, of you got, passed. Yeah, uh, you got to got to earn your stripes, I think. And he's, he's not, he hasn't had a great season. No, he hasn't. Uh, and, I mean, I, there were quite a few games last year where he was playing that role. He was finding the goals, kicking two goals here, one goal there, being involved in things. But I just don't, you know, I, I, I haven't looked at what his possessions were this week, but I don't think he... Look, he got 15. He had 15 touches. Um, but, yeah. But I really didn't Score notice. involvements? Have you got that there? I, I can. I think there is an advanced stats here. Does it have score involvements? I I don't know where it is on, on this uh, advanced stats thing. But um, I didn't notice him much. I just I find I'm not no. noticing him on, on the field. And I only notice, I'll notice him when he doesn't, when he fluffs something up. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, not, not wrapped with him at the moment. Um, um yeah, I, I, we'll talk positives. I thought Track had a good game. He was involved for longer periods of time, whereas in some weeks we find that he goes missing for long periods. Uh, you know, he had 22 posies and kicked, kicked a beautiful goal from outside 40, which uh, I think we, we discussed at the game that is comfortably outside his danger zone, which is closer into goals. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see him take all of his kicks from outside the 40 zone. Uh, because he he was struggling uh, with those closer into goal. So if you can take all, maybe he needs he feels... a, maybe needs a Ben Brown run up and <laughs> go back fifty meters. Yeah, I think he feels freer from uh, from that distance, doesn't he? So he's, he's he just hoofs it and kicking uh, style is completely it's completely different uh, when he's further out from goal than when when he's close in. Uh, yeah, so. We'll continue to monitor that situation. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I was happy with him. Look, <laughs> I, look, I don't think we, we haven't m- mentioned Max. Max was, you know, still he's Max best. I think he's uh, having a great year. Um, yep. Look, he's going to be All-Australian again. Um, it's, all, it's all just a matter of what position he gets. And I, I, I do firmly believe, I think he's, he's the best rush. they'll they, swap it around? Yeah, they're going to oh. 100% swap it around. Even if he, in the return game against Collingwood, even if he touches up Grundy again, um, obviously, uh, look, probably not going to make the finals. They're going to go deep into the finals. Uh, they're going to give it to they're going to give it to to Grundy. And look, I'm not saying Grundy doesn't deserve to be uh, in the team, or or even deserve. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to have the number one ruck. But I think they're going to, I think they're going to reverse it this year. Um, Jack, Jack Viney, I think, played probably his best game for the year. Um, we saw the return of the Jack Viney made me cry thread um, back. Uh, was back to his bone crunching uh, best. Uh, yeah, he was, and uh, also back to his footballing best. Yeah. Um, so we saw the images of uh, you know three players. Um, basically having a crack at him and him laughing his way through that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, he, he, yeah, standing there like a brick wall yeah. with three oak players bouncing off him, basically. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he, they were silly to target Jack Viney. Um, he loves that kind of stuff. 
it only eggs him on further. And yeah, it doesn't uh, put him off his game. There, there you know, are some perhaps point. a bit like Tom McDonald. No, no, yeah. so you're never going to put Jack Riney off no. off uh, off his game that way. But, but um, it's good to see him return to a bit of footballing form. And it's another one who's uh, you know struggled with injury for you know the better part of two years really. So um, if he can get um, a solid uh, block of games in in the back half of the season, then uh, um, it's going to be really important. Yes, uh, it will. Um, anyone else from the team you you feel needs a needs a kick up the bum or some praise? Uh, no, I think that uh, that probably covers it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, you know, the midfield the midfield isn't purring perfectly yet, but it's starting to, you know. The band's slowly coming back together. Yeah, we saw some glimpses uh, of, of some of the stuff. I'd still like to see four quarters from the team, you know, going into this back half. I know I said at the top of the show that uh, there was sort of a mathematical chance, but uh, I think we can kiss uh, any chance of uh, finals. But we want to see sort of a bit of solid, you know, going into going into the back half of the year and perhaps at least shaping, if we can't make the finals ourselves, at least shape it and maybe, you know, knock some teams out of contention and, and shape shape the finals that way and sort of stamp our, you know, well, we're coming to get you next year <laughs> type of things if, if we can't do it this year. Um, yeah, I'd like to see some of that. Um I didn't get to see any of the Casey game. Um, the only... The only thing I, uh, I, I don't know if it was even, was it on TV this week and not on TV? I, I didn't really I don't get, think to, so. get to watch no. it, but from what I, what I read on, uh, on Demon Land, uh, the thing that stood out for me was, uh, uh was Jordan Lewis, uh, 39 possessions, um, but having said that, I don't know if, uh, if Jordan Lewis will, will we ever see Jordan Lewis back in the team? Uh, yeah, well, you know, Hibbard is out for, what, another two weeks, one to two weeks, potentially. Leave her for the same amount. Um, well, let's, uh, well, I should go on mic. Uh, so there was, uh, well, well, is Hibbard out? Because the, the, the injury list uh, for this week has Hibbard listed as a test. Uh, with the collarbone. Uh, ah, okay. But Sorry. test, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, I'll just go through our injury list because it seems we've got a few new injuries that I wasn't aware of. Uh, Chandler, yep. hip, uh, test. Well, he hasn't played this year anyway. Uh, Jake Lever, knee one to two weeks. Uh, Neville Jetta, two to three weeks. So hopefully we get to see Jets back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Billy Stretch foot. Were you aware that Billy Stretch was injured as well? Um, two to two. No, I wasn't. Yep. So, so nope. bi- Billy Stretch, uh, two to three weeks. And and while we're talking, and we about, don't know if that's related to a previous foot injury. Well, he had that foot injury that he missed most of the rest of the year last year um, from the Fremantle uh, game last year in in Darwin. Um, yep. Well, if you're right. saying two to three weeks, it's obviously not as bad as that one. 
Um, but then again, Melbourne injuries usually start two to three weeks and then we never see them again. Um, uh, while we're talking about Billy Stretch, in a couple of weeks, we will be, uh, I think in mid-July, we will be interviewing uh, Billy's dad, Stephen Stretch. So uh, another another flashback to the 80s, early 90s uh, there. Um, uh, Declan Kilty, friend of, the sh- good. friend of the show, uh, has an injury as well. Ankle injury is out for three to four weeks. That's another one that I didn't wasn't aware of. Uh, so Casey's going to end up having no players whatsoever, no Melbourne listed players whatsoever. Uh, Jake Melksham uh, has been four to six weeks for at least four to six weeks. <laughs> um, he's still with his foot four to six weeks. So I, I don't reckon we're going to see uh, the Melk uh, again this year. Um, what, what we've got nine nine games to go, um, four to six weeks. Uh, Tom Sparrow, we the know. Four to sixes. The four to sixes are going to be struggling, aren't they? Yeah, well, Tom Sparrow's also four to six like, uh, with a knee. Uh, and this one's upsetting. Uh, Cade uh, Kolejasny, uh finally getting his name right uh, in the back half of the year. Uh, again, had a knock to the head. He's now listed as mm. to be confirmed. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think he's ever going to play again um, for us. Um, he seems to be Mike one of those. Over, yeah. Sorry, I just think he's one. It seems to be one of those players that's kind of constantly get head knocks, and he's going to end up hanging up the the boots um, as a result of it. I hope not. Um, I'd love to see him play, but it just seems that way. Yeah, my understanding though was that when he came over, the neck. What, that what they thought were concussion issues at the Gold Coast were actually neck issues, and so then when he got a concussion here I sort of wondered well is this a completely new thing or is this a recurrence of the neck related non-concussion thing but they're saying concussion so um Look, I don't it, know whether it's whether it's linked to you know um what he unfortunately was going through when he was at Gold Coast but uh whether it's whether it's can't be too careful with these things unfortunately whether it's neck or concussion um He's had another one and he's out for TBC. Um, it's it's not good. It's, this is the third time this year I think it's happened, uh, second or third time this year it's happened, and given the history uh, at the Gold Coast with the same same or similar, I just don't have a good feeling about this and um, I just uh, unfortunately no, I don't think we're going to see him play. Yeah. Uh, Van, um, Vander's foot TBC has been pretty much that for most of the year. I, I, I'm going to call it. I don't think we're going to see him play either because... It, well, we had early mail, you know, that it was going to be sort of eight to ten weeks fairly early on. Um, and then that's obviously just turned into uh, indefinite, basically. I don't know why the club puts TBC when really what they mean is should, indefinite. Well, indefinite season, whatever you want to call it, because he hasn't played this year. Every year he's been in the team, he's had sort of longish term injuries. He's been out for big chunks. He's only played small chunks at a time. I, I just can't see uh, him playing uh, for us again. No, and look, I th- and even if he does, uh, I can't. I didn't see the latest. Yeah, well, this uh, I don't think they've said anything new, but he's still TBC. I, I just uh, I don't think. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't have much confidence there. I... Yep. Garlet has now been ruled out for the season with that shoulder injury. 
Um, so that's uh, the, you know. Bad luck for Jeffy. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, I'll say it. I, I don't. I don't. I can't, I can't imagine he's he's out of contract. I believe. I can't imagine they that they'll uh, renew that contract. I'll, I'll be very surprised if they do. Um, I like Jeffy. I, I was a big fan of his uh, when he came over. He had a great uh, year, his first year. Uh, but I don't think he's been able to sort of regain that uh, that form uh, to be a consistent um, uh, uh, player in the team. Yeah, no, the the form just sort of vanished in an instant. Mm. Um, halfway through last season, basically, for Jeffy. Yeah. He'd started off the year pretty well. Um, and then uh, his form just deserted him and he's really struggled to get it back. Um, even in the games where he's managed to kick a couple of goals, he just hasn't had the same sort of uh, um, touch that, you know, we're used to from uh, from Jeffy. So, um, as you say, uh, he's going to face an uphill battle to get another year, I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would another club find any value in him? I, I don't know. Probably I, not. I, 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 I can't look. I, I, I don't think. I don't look. I, I don't. I wouldn't take him if I was making the decisions. Um, we picked him up pretty cheap. We so. did. I think it was pick eighty-eight or something for yeah. him. So I was wrapped when we got him because I, I, I liked what I liked the bits I saw of him at the Blues. He. Kicked, I think, forty some odd goals in his first year with the D's, um, but you know, as a small forward's got to be kicking thirty or forty a year, and if they're not pr- providing you with that, then um, yeah. Uh, Joel Joel Smith, this is a really disappointing one. Uh, it's been ruled out for the rest of the season now with that groin injury, which he, sust- I don't know whether he sustained it. Did he sustain it in that practice game? If he did, and then was kept on the ground, I mean, if I was him, I'd be absolutely ropeable. It sounds like they've just totally mismanaged uh, the injury, uh, the recovery. Uh, you know, from what we heard from you know that that his dad had mentioned on online somewhere, uh, he didn't sound like he was too happy with the way it was managed. Uh, yeah, I'd be ropeable if if I was in that situation. Look, this is the subject a pretty fierce debate in the injury list thread on Demon Land at the moment, um, with some saying exactly as you said, that the club made a monumental error that day uh, in a practice match by keeping him on the ground when he was obviously injured. Others are saying that um, uh, that he's got osteitis pubis, the club's known this, and that uh, there's, you know, no... Um, the injury wasn't uh, wasn't worsened by, you know, by playing... Him, um, but the, but the guy was playing the, on. Guy, the guy was limping but, though. You, how can you play? I don't yeah, worsens or look, not. I, I, like, I couldn't walk. <laughs> you know, um, the 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 optics of it are terrible. It's a very bad look for a professional sporting club to be playing an injured player in a game that has uh, no consequence. Yeah, which is what happened. And uh, you know, one of two things happened that day. They either the medicos made the wrong call. And that's possible. You know, he came off, they assessed him and thought, you know, maybe you can run it out or it's just a knock or something, a bit of soreness, uh, let's play on. And they, you know, they got it wrong. Or, and I find this scenario hard to believe, they assessed him correctly at the time, surmised that he was going to be out indefinitely 
and decided to play him regardless um, in a practice match. So I just find that second scenario hard to believe. You know, I can't believe that they would have said, well, who knows when he's coming back, we might as well just play him for the rest of the day, um, which is what some people would have us believe. Um, uh, either way, the club should have had um, players on standby. It was a practice match. Well, uh, There's no need to go in with 22 players. That was the that's the uh, other issue. That's the other issue. They did go into that game with uh, with only 22 players when they could have had like Brisbane had that day. I think 26 or 24, whatever. They could have had a lot more players, and I think they made them the wrong call. It is a practice yep. match. I, I know they wanted to try and simulate. Uh, you know, match conditions, but but it didn't work out for us. And I would have been yeah, quite happy to play one and one man down. Um, yeah, you know, we're dealing in opinions here, and it's hard to give uh, opinions on, on medical matters. But yeah. I think if you ask, you know, if you ask Simon Goodwin, in hindsight, would you have taken extra players into that match? If he was being honest, he'd have to say yes, yeah. surely. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So that's our injury list. We've got uh, 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 the other, uh, Nietzsche, what's his name? Aaron Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Uh, Nietzsche yep. with the knees, they've uh, been out for the season, and Guy Walker with the, indefinitely with that shoulder. Um, they rounded out. But we've got quite back to a massive injury list. I wasn't aware of Billy Stretch, uh, Kelty, I wasn't aware of. Uh, you know, Colin Jasny now with the head, and I heard earlier that Joel Smith was out for the season. Yeah, yeah, and, and Lever probably getting an extra week. Well, he's now saying one uh, to two weeks. Initially told one, and now yeah. it's one to two. So he yeah, well, um, told Test he'd be back. He just missed. We're, we're the only team. Of... We didn't have a show last week, but because uh, we had the bye. But uh, then when the team was announced, uh, <laughs> people on Team and Lamb were saying we're the only team that can have a bye, and then sort of have three injuries come out of the bye week because. Uh, we didn't hear about uh, the, uh, Jeffy's shoulder. Uh, I don't think we had heard about that Hibbard uh, had done anything to his collarbone at the time of the Collingwood game. And I don't think we heard about Lever until Lever. sort of late in the, no. the into the bye, sort of round uh, after the bye round. So, yeah, we sort of manufactured three injuries in a bye week. Um, That's also been the subject of some complaint on Demon Land, and I'm talking about the club's communications or failure to communicate these things in a timely manner. So, yeah, what, what do you um, think about what do you think about uh, that? Uh, what, what's the responsibility of the club to, to the members with reporting of injuries like that? Uh, I, I, look, I always understand that they want to keep things from the opposition team and, and yada yada yada. Um, what do you think uh, in terms of that type uh, of look, communication? Look, I don't I don't get as um, as hung up up about it as some do. Um, I appreciate, you know, supporters want to know these things as soon as possible, but the club has its reasons sometimes for keeping it in-house. And, um, yeah, and I, I think that uh, um, those factors take priority. Um, and, and I think, yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right, we've got uh, Binman on the line. Good evening, uh, Binman. How are you going? Good, thanks. Good evening, fellas. Um, couldn't resist calling in on that very subject, actually, because right. I couldn't disagree more, Greg Bonnie, in terms of the... Um, I think the club have 
a professional um, club, the AFL should compel clubs to be honest about their um, uh, injury situation. Like, so much gets modelled on America. There's a lot of things to critique about America, like the in-game experience and the noise and all of that stuff. But one thing they do fantastically in professional sports there is keep um, the key stakeholders, which is the fans, completely informed and up-to-date about injuries. And you see in the finals of the NBA finals, Kevin Durant, there was play-by-play updates of his injury and his Achilles that he did. Um, I, you know, the fact that um, Smith was injured in the um, Queen's birthday game, people making plans to go to the football um, and three days out from a game nearly two weeks later, uh, they say he got injured in that game and that he's one week out, maybe one to four, it's just, it's just not good enough, I don't think. Yeah. Look, I, I, um, I suppose it also impacts on those uh, who are betting, and so that's a factor as well. And, and there's an increasing amount of money, uh, you know, um, tied up in that industry. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand it. I take the point, big man, definitely. And, and on that, I know that lots of people... I'm a football punter. Um, I totally see... You know, the argument, you know, why that, um, you know, you shouldn't factor that in. But the bottom line is the AFL get a lot of money um, through other means, through betting agencies. Uh, And I've read on the weekend that up to $7 million a game is bet now on um, football matches. If you were taking a bet a week out and you knew Lever um, was in, so forgetting whether you think it's good or bad, there's a real, in America, one of the reasons they do it is because of the risk of insider trading. So if you knew that Lever did he hurt his knee in the Collingwood game um, and you were going to um, have a bet, a forward bet for the Frio game, you've got information that the Joe public doesn't have. Um, yep. And I just think it's just completely unprofessional. Yep. Do you think it's um, it's gotten worse since the change of, um, change of staff at the club? Um, Matt Bergen and perhaps others moving on? Uh, well, I think you've probably seen on Deanland, it's been a sort of a hobby horse of mine for a while the, with the poor communication. The one thing I would perhaps suggest is that that was the period all the review was happening. Um, but there was no... Um, a mate of mine was looking for it for that reason, who coincidentally is a punter as well. There was no injury list up put up by Melbourne for about 10 days or 12 days or something. Um, it, we found out later there was a review and part of the review was seemingly, arguably, the demotion of Nissan and I don't know whether that sort of was all part of it. Um, um, but, you know, I think it's definitely gone downhill this week. There was a patch where they... I, I put up on Demonland earlier in this year. Uh, uh, Demonland was putting up all the clips of um, media stuff, which was fantastic pre-season when the excitement was high and I was <laughs> listening to every single recorded thing I could um, get. Um, but the club wasn't, and they started doing that, so credit for that. I mean, it's relatively easy. Um, but by and large, it's pretty poor, the content on that website and communication. Yeah, I've, I've, I've found... Uh... Uh, they've they've been really good in producing sort of these really emotional um, uh, videos um, and sort of well produced uh, videos to music and slow motion and highlights and all that. But I think in terms of uh, uh, straight out communication um, and stuff like the injury lists and and um, just more sort of. 
It's the day-to-day day day stuff. Yeah, yeah, I reckon it is, yeah. is definitely not as good. Um, no. And, no uh, look, you're right, Andy, the high-end stuff, um, you know, the Oscar Baker um, uh, uh, debut, for example, was a, a great example of some of the high-end stuff that they've done really well this yeah. year. But, um, yeah, it looks like they've dropped the ball a little bit on the day-to-day stuff. And that sort of stuff is great, you know. I'll watch it once and twice or maybe, you know, go on there. But the sort of test of a website is how often you go to it. And I always go to Demonland for the team listing. Um, you know, at least you get it straight away in a format that you can read properly uh, and some commentary on it. Um, but for any other, even game day information, I look for it um, on Demonland before um, um, the MFC site. And that's, a, you know, that's ridiculous. I, I want to know... I want to have confidence that there'll be match day information, that there's content there that's useful for me. I know you need a range of content, um, but, yeah, I think our communication is terrible. And I would have thought that it was a sort of a key, you know, strategic thing to keep your stakeholders um, in the loop, particularly this year um, when we're struggling. I would have, That's when you most need to keep them engaged. And, you know, people on Demonland were sort of bought in already, but it's, you know, it's kids like my son, 15, 16, they're the ones that you've got to keep in the loop because... They're off watching NBA, and you know they're not interested unless they're engaged. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, big man, what else? Uh, you happy with the win? Oh, I was thrilled. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I went and uh, I got home and watched the replay, and um, I haven't been able to do that. Well, I haven't had any interest in watching any replays pretty much this year, and I was struggling to. I couldn't believe I was watching. It felt like I was watching two different games because Dwayne Russell, and in particular him, but all of them were saying what a great game it was. And I was at the ground thinking, this is appalling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether I had my um, appalling confirmation glasses on or something because at the ground I was pulling my hair out in the first half with the disposal errors and Tom McDonald was really getting to me. And uh, um, But, yeah, I thought uh, they certainly... Um, they turned it around pretty well, I wouldn't say big time in the second half, and it was great to get a win. It was just fantastic to get a win. Um, and I thought Viney was back to his best, so he was terrific to watch. And what I was actually calling in to say um, was is that um, I, think the, I, I think we've got so much to play for, and I was really excited going to the ground. I went by myself, and um, you know, I really sort of I was, I'm starting to think of each game as a game in of itself, disconnected obviously now from making finals. And pretty much that's how I've always supported the D's because so often we've, you know, finals haven't been in the picture. Um, so I think we've got a lot to play for. And um, I heard, I think I only came in 15 minutes ago and I heard, I think you mentioned Lockhart. I thought it was terrific, just his placement. Um, um, so I think we've got a lot to play for. And I'm really quite, to be honest, quite excited for the rest of the season. I haven't even really had a look at, um, of, you know, I know that technically we're a, a mathematical chance, but I haven't even looked further into it to see how much of a chance we are. I, I assume we have to win every single game, but uh, we also obviously need uh, to bank some percentage as well. But uh, in terms of how the other teams are placed, uh, are we actually a mathematical chance? Like if we... Win no, no or... one's no one's done any ladder predictors that I've seen. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm I scared just, to do I it. I just missed it. <laughs> I'm scared to do it. I, I haven't done it. I know you can do it. Um, yeah. I, I'm anyway. I, I look. 
we've got a tough draw. <laughs> we've got to knock oh, off I'm some solidly, good teams. <laughs> solidly going week to week from now yeah. on. <laughs> it's a week to week game, and you know I'm going to do the cliches. And uh, um, you know I think, as I said, we've got a lot to play for. Um, you know, players like Marty Hoare will only get better. Um, I really like like Lockhart, and I quite like some of their tactical tweaks. They mentioned it on the footy, actually, but it was really noticeable how wide they were handballing and how they were trying to sort of handball out into space and create some space that way. Yeah, we played um, a different type of game. We, 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 I noticed it was different to what we've seen for the rest of uh, yeah. previous games. Well, not least because of the uncontested possession. Yep. That was a lot more evident. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that if we can, you know, I, I think that there's some real momentum. Um, I was reflecting on Essendon. I mean, Essendon have done poorly this year, but they were in a similar position, even worse than us at this same time last year and came home like a steam train. And they came into this season with people giving them a genuine chance for top four based on that, how they finished. Um, and I think that's the sort of momentum you know, um, that we need to build. And I mean, really, it wouldn't be possible for us to have a worse run with injuries. It's just, I could not no. believe it when I saw the um, injury list today. You were talking about it before. It's just, I mean, it beggars belief. It's as bad as I can recall at the D's. Um, you know, it's in, in all the time I've followed and I can't recall the time with so many key players out as well. I mean, Melksham is so critical. He's one player who can regularly hit a target inside 50 and he's just been out pretty much all the season. So, um, but, you know, you'll get all those guys. Hopefully you won't have any post-season and surgeries this year. You know, everyone will have a good pre-season and uh, right to go to next season. Well, I was sort of... I think I said it to Great Barney while we were at the game early on because T-Mac did look like he was sort of struggling. I think there was one time he was running, he just was sort of jogging along. Um, and I was like, if he's injured, get him out of the team, get him in surgery now. And then he turns out to have uh, quite a good game. But... Yeah, I really hope we don't have any uh, of these uh, surgeries at the end of the year. That obviously, there's probably each, every year you have. There's a certain amount that go through, but hopefully, we don't have what we had uh, this uh, this preseason. Yeah, so George, I mean, we had the perfect storm. They obviously rolled the dice to an extent, um, and then you had all the injuries on top of it, and it's just never come good, has it? Uh, Great Barney, you were going to say about uh, George? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that George on the out has asked in the, uh, in the chat room whether, uh, you know, Garlett going in for, in for surgery now is a sign of, you know, effectively sort of clearing the decks and getting ready for, for next season. Are we retiring players do really? Well, uh, Billy Stretch is listed as two to three weeks. Uh, well, Smith... Well, we don't know what's uh, the he's been out all year, so I don't think there's any managing of that. Um, and and Garlett, uh shoulder, I guess you if you've got a busted shoulder, you're going to have to get surgery on it. So I don't know if that can be considered managing uh, in preparation. Well, they could play him, but the question with him is whether he'll get a contract. And yeah. I was calling for him to be dropped. Um, I think that last time I called in, I questioned his sort of his competitiveness and. Um, he he was really frustrating, I have to say, in the last match. And there was discussion on Demon Land with um, Lord Nev was was talking about, you know, that goals are better than, you know, you get a play kicking goals in a team that's struggling to kick goals. He, he stays in, but there was some contest where um, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was the Adelaide game, that, um, but where he just didn't go. And um, so I wonder, I, I can't see him getting another contract. I didn't realise he was out of contract at this the end of this year. Um, I guess they'll probably, you know, give him
give him surgery and see how he goes and look at it. I mean, he hasn't really got that much competition for the small forward, really, has he? So maybe okay. that'll keep him in. I don't know. It depends whether um, it depends where you think what what position Lockhart is in the team because he's not really a forward pocket uh, type player. Um, and then I guess it's well, Spargo last year was uh, was the talk of the town, but this year hasn't been sort of lighting lighting the the stage up. Um, but I guess going back to Garlett, uh, it, it is an interesting conundrum. Is, are the three goals that he kicked in a couple of games? Do you weigh that up against the, the uncompetitiveness that you, that you mentioned? Uh, what's what's more important? Do you give him a pass because he has been kicking those three goals in a team that was struggling to kick scores? Mm, well, yeah, I mean, my view one. is that, as I put on D9, is that last year he would have been dropped after one week of those things um, because it's sort of clearly against um, the mantra of, um, of you know, team rule, isn't it? So, um, you know, against you go every time it's your turn to go. And I'm not talking about him being a super hard player in the Viney mould. Um, you know, he's just not that sort of player. But, um, you know, there were a couple like in the game, was it Adelaide where he turned expecting a contact and dropped that chest mark? So, you know, for me, that's the sort of thing that's very hard then to say to a Bedford or a, even a Spargo or another player, here's our, here's our non-negotiable when you see a senior player selected week in, week out after doing that, at least once or twice something similar to that. So I, I personally don't think so, but I can see the argument you know, particularly when we're kicking 50, 60 points a game. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, changes for this week. Bin man, uh, do we make changes to a winning um, team? Yeah, well, Hibbert, Hibbert will come in. I, there's no question Hibbert will come in. Um, I personally think that, I mean, I would have been, I was thinking... Um, Lewis probably would have seen the end of it but I think they're going to find it very hard not to pick him 40 possessions I know he didn't play off the halfback flank and he played in the centre apparently but, and played um, against the bottom 40 team 40 possessions is a pretty good game of footy um, against, the so, bo- against the bottom team though? Yeah, yeah I guess so I don't know, I mean we only won by 15 points <laughs> Yeah, well that's... <laughs> That's right. Uh, look, I didn't see any of the games, so I can I can't uh, I can't really talk about that. I only know that he had forty odd possessions. But well, he was our best player by yeah. all accounts, and um, uh, where he goes, I don't know because it was quite interesting seeing Jones has been on that half back flank, hasn't he? Sort of that's really Lewis's spot, and I thought Jones played really well. He got he got rightfully bagged for his decision to push Walters over, but. Um, I thought he actually played had a pretty good game, and I don't mind him back there actually. But um, so where does Lewis go? If he does come in, um, Hibbard will definitely come in. Um, I'd keep Petty personally. I thought Petty um, played all right actually, um, and so you know there'll be at least one. Uh, and Wagner's probably the one who'll come out for him. You would have thought, but um, I reckon they're a bit stiff too. I, I didn't think he played so badly either. Uh... Anyone else likely to come in? We, we sort of don't really have players I don't think we've left. got anyone else. <laughs> we've got so many injuries. Who would they, they bring in? Um, Bradkey, maybe. Is he, is he eligible to, to get a game? He's a Category B rookie. 
Well, they could have got about 12 people on the long-term injury list. So you reckon that if you'd find some sort of asterisk to get him in? Well, I don't think our, uh, my mate Prucy's going to get a game, uh, barring uh, Maxi sort of going down. So uh, partic- no. Particularly with Tim Smith uh, kicking uh, a couple goals. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think Prucy's just going to have to remain as uh, backup uh, for the moment. And I heard you mention, I mean, what a Gorn is gone next level i i don't know where i've heard you talk that you sit on the um the members side wing is that right uh yeah uh, yeah so half forward flank yeah he got then he would have got smashed in front of you like yep. he got collected i was i sit at the top of ponsford stand i could see it and he got completely clipped around the head as he's going for a mark i couldn't yeah. believe it wasn't paid um, and he was just getting ragdolled, or not ragdolled, but he was getting dragged and scragged and all day. He was just copying it. So um, I thought that he just he's just in amazing form, as good as as good a form as I can recall any Melbourne player just about, and that includes Robbie Flower. Uh, Grapeviney and I didn't mention it, but in in our review of the sort of of the game, the umpiring. I thought was pathetic. I couldn't believe at the end of the game that we actually ended up having more free kicks. Um, and maybe it's a case of the free kicks. We didn't get paid, uh, but I thought we got uh, the bum steer of, of the umpiring. Well, I'm very one-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think there's a real factor for us is that when we, you're playing those games when there's 20,000 people that don't put the good umpires on. And <laughs> some of the decisions are just, you know, it just it really makes it very difficult. Like, it's obviously, it's worse when it's your team who cops a bad one. Um, but really, you hear it all day, every day at the footy. You just want them to be consistent, and they're so they're so not consistent um, across all four, uh, the three umpires. And I don't know why it was annoying me so much, but they had GoPros on. So, one of them. Know, did, one of them did. Did they all have them? I noticed one had uh, that thing around his chest. Um, uh, well, it keeps the I couple. When I'm thinking, actually. well, go back to your footage and look at how often um, uh, Gorn was being dragged, and also how often we were getting blocked. Um, Tom McDonald was getting blocked all the time. Uh, yeah, a, a great viney. I, I heard you. You could have been kicked out, uh, but lucky there were no uh, behavioural awareness officers around us. I, I heard the <laughs> the green maggot well, call coming from you a few times. A, I did say the green maggot, but I thought the umpire was wearing a little black bra actually, <laughs> um, and I pointed that out, and then got worried that perhaps a behavioural awareness officer was around and might take offence. So. You can't be too careful these days. Well, I wonder if uh, if all this talk about uh, you know people getting kicked out is have is working because I I think I held back a little bit. Uh, I was still booing uh, <laughs> every now and again at a bad decision, um, but uh, yeah, I think I held myself back a few times. But uh, Grapeviney, I did hear you uh, using the uh, M word quite a few times. <laughs> But Guilty not, as charged. Not, not marvellous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, any of you boys uh, going into state this week like I am? I'm I'm going up to Queensland and uh, watching That's the D's. no from me. No KO Sports for me. Man. Saving me a, a, a bucket load of money, KO Sports. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going up, going up to Queensland for school holidays, taking it... Uh, 
the opportunity to go watch the D's play. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get a win like the last time, uh, Great Viney, we went up to the Gabba. Uh, I think we played the Gold Coast that day and had a good win. So that yep. would be nice. But uh, it was the beginning of our good run, actually, that, uh, that game against Gold Coast. I think that was the beginning of the, the big scores and the big, uh, big margins. Yeah, I think we won by 70 points, yeah. And speaking of big scores, I, I, I think um, um, one of the, well, as I mentioned before, I'm a football player, and one of the bets that, um, that me and my uh, mate do when we get together is uh, total match points. So I keep a pretty keen eye on um, the uh, total match points of every game, basically. Um, and this will be a good game, I think, for um, over what is the total match point will probably be 155, 160. Um, and but they are quite attacking side, um, and they're um, they move the ball quite quickly, and I think it will play well for us because um, they don't they don't hold it up as much as um, say Hawthorne do, obviously, um, who have gone super slow this year, um, or even a West Coast who who aren't as slow as Hawthorne, so they move it more quickly. They do spread, um, but I think it will really suit our game style. So. Uh, it won't expose our lack of pace as much, and it means that we'll also be able to um, get on our bike and move it quite quickly, which we, you know, like to do when we're going. Um, so I actually think we match up really well against them, and um, uh, I don't know that I'll tip us, but I'm I'm not unconfident of winning this game. Well, I'm I'm glad that we were able to win a game without you calling into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's made me. Uh... Well, you had a you you went on, so I couldn't call last week. I wasn't going to tip us, but I did tip us. So um, I'm not sure how I'll go this week. I'm on top of my tipping contest, so they're meaningful tips. Oh, okay, very good. Um, well, I think we might uh, wrap things up. Uh, wrap things up here, unless you've got anything else, Bim Man, you want to contribute to the show before we. Uh... Uh, yeah. No, but just other than I think, yeah, as I said before, we've got a lot to play for um, still. And, um, you know, funnily enough, I'm, you know, even without finals in the picture, I'm really, really looking forward to the second half of the season and perhaps because of that. So I can just enjoy the game now for, for what it is. Yes, well said. Um, all right, well, we will be... Well, thank you, Bin Man. I'll, I'll, let, you, uh, I'll let you go and we'll uh, hopefully speak to you in the, in the coming weeks. Um, See you later, fellas. Cheers. Thanks, thanks Bin Man. Uh, next week, next week we'll uh, well I'll be I'll be on the Gold Coast, but uh, I'll take some equipment up with me and uh, we can do a, a show. Um, won't won't be able to take any phone calls, I don't think. Uh, but Great Viney and I will uh, discuss what we think of the game. Um, just before we go. Um, if you're listening uh, to this show at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via the Apple or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the show and you'll receive uh, updates when a new show drops. Don't forget to leave us a favourable review. Help more people find us. Uh, we're on Spotify now, so uh, you can now get your show that way. Go to demonland.com to find the links to your preferred listening method. Uh, give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31, Twitter at demonland, Instagram at demonland31, or search for us on YouTube. Um, and you can listen to some of the interviews that we've done, just like the one we did with uh, Balls Grinter uh, tonight. Uh, if you love talking about the Ds 24-7 uh, all year round, why not join up to demonland.com and chat with other Ds fans about this great club. Great Viney, thank you very much for joining me. 
uh, tonight, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Go, Dees. Go, those demons. With the